Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Quiet Forum. This is the solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. Um, Today, I have um, with me uh, the former chief clinical officer of HURDLE, which is a digital health platform for people of color, uh, Dr. Rufus Tony Spann. Welcome, Tony. Uh, thank you for having me, Brian. I appreciate uh, the, just the time to actually talk about an important topic because it happens to all of us. So thank yeah. you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Tony, for those of you who are joining me, uh, is, a, is a member of the Forbes Magazine Health Advisory Board. He's a nationally certified school psychologist, a, a professional licensed counselor, a yoga teacher, and a Reiki master. Uh, so so much I want to ask you, and so we're going to jump right in. Um, Tony, okay. I, I guess first, I know you, it says that you're a former clinical officer, chief clinical officer of Hurdle. So I want to start there uh-huh. and tell me a little bit uh-huh. about this uh, digital health platform for people of color, uh, Hurdle. I, I had not heard of it. I did um, uh, do a little bit of research before you came okay. on uh, to read a little bit about okay. it. But just tell me, I'm, I'm so interested to hear a little bit about what it is. Well, Brian, I appreciate you also putting it into this space where I hope others are now hearing about it because it's a, a platform that is near and dear to my heart, to the heart of the founders that have also been a part of this process. Uh, and now the CEO, Kevin Debners, is taking it on and it's going national. The intent behind uh, what originally the name was Henry Health and now Hurdle was really looking at John Henryism, which the, the, the terminology and the article and the research that was looking at hypertension amongst uh, people of color, particularly looking at black and African Americans. And so the intention was how do we reduce uh, those kinds of um, ailments or health illnesses? Because there was a public health background as well as a mental health background looking at both of these, um, looking at it from both angles, if you will, to see how do we get this into the hands of the people, create an app, create technology that helps, particularly at that time looking at black men, to really look at their self as a whole, looking at uh, the mind, body, and spirit, if you will. And then it evolved to a point where really focusing on mental health, telehealth, uh, providing a digital product where we have therapists that provide telehealth services, um, 45-minute sessions, particularly looking at uh, adults, couples, individuals, and the intent behind it is really using a culturally based back, uh, a scientifically backed way of working with individuals that allows for us to really get into the narrative of people of color. So it's evolved, but at the premise of it really was looking at it from a public health, mental health standpoint, and then it grew into this telehealth space and it's continuing to expand. But at the premise, we're still looking at research. At the premise, we're still looking at how to really change health outcomes, um, particularly for people of color. Uh, got you. And so um, uh-huh. what is it that, um, that you found? I mean, I think just the, mm, the title of it being Hurdle. Um, but what is it yeah. that you found that was one of the biggest 
um, obstacles. You know, we, as far as far back as I can remember, there has been a challenge, kind of culturally challenge, uh, uh, to the African-American community uh, to seek Mm -hmm. mental health counseling, mental health uh, advice. Um, And so Mm -hmm. are are you still finding that to be a challenge? And is that a big obstacle? Mm -hmm. And is is it improving at all? Good good question. And yes, it is improving. And particularly as the chief clinical officer, my, my main thing was looking at how to increased treatment-seeking behaviors, and that's a very clinical kind of right to the root of the problem kind of conversation. However, the intention was, one, when we thought about using a telehealth platform, we thought about how do we reduce the amount of barriers that come along with people seeking therapy. Some of those barriers are, I don't want to be seen in a waiting room, or I don't have the time to talk to a therapist, or I can't use my insurance on teletherapy. At one time, you couldn't, per se, with some barriers. However, due to COVID and some other changes, you can use your insurance. People are using it more. And so I think those are kind of like those, when we think about the, the social disparities that come along with looking at telehealth. I think now, culturally, there was the notion that um, Blacks didn't seek therapy. But at the same time, a lot of people weren't seeking therapy because at the time when therapy was coming into its own, you know, at one time therapy was very expensive. It was for the well-to-do, if you, if you will, in so many words. And the people that were really kind of like norming and creating the terms of psychology and identity of it were, were really white males. However, we know that the identity of psychology and really looking at the entire psyche comes from Africa. But when it kind of evolved and was taken over in so many words, it kind of shifted where it didn't look like us. And so what our intentions and a lot of black and therapists and people of color are changing and shifting this and really getting in and decolonizing how mental health looks. And I'm so proud of us for doing that because I hope it creates a space for more people of color, particularly as I was looking at blacks and African-Americans to get into these spaces. But the one thing I will say is that if you're asking for people to come into those spaces, make sure those spaces are honoring people's cultures making sure that you're not creating ruptures or or kind of breaking those kind of conversations by not truly understanding the individual. And so that's the other part. You're asking people to come into therapy. Make sure that now that you have them coming in, you're really understanding them for who they are and not still using the same paradigms that were used on on us for decades that never worked. you got to change that and make it inclusive. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree 100%. Thank you for that. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, as you know, the reason I invited you on and I wanted to uh-huh. have a conversation with you uh, is about the work and the, uh, that you've been doing now for some time around overthinking. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the people who are listening, um, dare I say, uh, are, are people who are in leadership uh, capacities. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I've read about overthinking uh, often talks about the extent to which it can uh, sabotage one's leadership. It can sabotage their ability to influence others. Um, but I also think about how it just, uh, in, in from a very practical perspective, impacts uh, one's productivity. So um, I would love to um, hear a little bit about um, the work itself of how, what got you into 
um, you know, thinking about overthinking, but what were you seeing that made you say, look, I, I need to uh, address this in the populations that I'm seeing? So that's a, a great question. One, it started with me, or it starts with me. I know, I'll be very candid, I am an overthinker. I, in, a, in some ways, I love to think. <laughs> and so there's a lot of having to shut that off because for me, I think, and this may be relatable to other overthinkers or those that are in leadership, you're always trying to find a solution or trying to look at the problem and trying to address it from different angles. And so being that creative mind that some leaders can have or creative thinkers, it's like how do I solve these problems in different ways so that we can get it to the problem quicker, uh, mm -hmm. reduce the time, reduce the weight, and all these other kind of logistical problems or problematic problems that happen within our teams, companies, and just what's happening in our world. The reality is that you're probably not going to solve it overnight. So mm -hmm. at times, you're going to probably have to shelf that. You're going to have to think about, you know, how do I turn this off and how do I give myself the time back or the, the space back to have that kind of, you know, rest, if you will, rest for the brain, rest for the mind. Although unconsciously, the brain is still processing consciously, we need to give ourselves those breaks. And so I will say where it really has come from is just my own process, but then also as an executive coach, because um, I am also certified by the International Coaching Federation, I work with a lot of either those that are in leadership in the C-suite um, in Fortune 500 companies, and they're always, you know, particularly within our coaching sessions, the intent is to work through what is the presenting problem, um, why is it important, but also talking through how they work through it, what are the pathways to their goals. And what I find a lot of times is they're, they're asking, you know, how do I quiet the mind? How do I, like, tackle this without it overcoming me? And so as a coach and just kind of putting on that hat, and then I'll talk about yoga and Reiki and, you know, really looking at freeing the mind from a lot of the thoughts that we keep, it's, it's sometimes it's where we have to do a future pacing exercise. And I'll just mention really quick what this is, because this could help with those that have these types of thought process. So for an example, if you know you have a board meeting coming up, or if there's uh, an event or something that you might feel a little uneasy about, maybe feel a little anxious, the intention of future pacing as a, as a coaching technique is really for us just to walk through that. You know, what would it be for you to step to the podium? What would it be for you to first read your words? What do you feel mm -hmm. like are the feelings that are going to come up for you? What happens after you get finished with the first paragraph? What would you do in the moment to relax and kind of deep breathe? And mm -hmm. so the intent for a leader in that moment is that you have some space to actually just talk it out because what happens, sometimes we catastrophize and the terminology, what that means is that we're going to future-orientedly think about an event and sometimes we'll sit in the future when we live in the moment, we're going to be, because our brain has the ability to think future forward, sometimes we're in the future and it hasn't even happened and we're thinking right. the worst that's going oh. to happen. Sometimes Absolutely. we just have to walk through it to let it come out so that we're like, you know what, I can do this. It's, it, it, yeah. it's probably not going to be that bad. And the last part to this is that sometimes I ask, what is the worst that can happen? Yeah. And when you think about it, you're like, oh, this would just happen. I'd, I'd make a mistake and I'd just start over or ask the audience, you know, excuse me. And then what happens is you release yourself from some of that catastrophizing thought, if you will, and you come back to the present moment and realize, you know what, if it gets to this point, this is what I could do, but I need to release myself from that image or that thought process. Sure, sure. And I don't know about you. I, I do some coaching as well uh, for okay. leaders. 
And and so um, and it varies from school principals, school board members, uh, uh, superintendents. But but one of the things that I find um, that's common, not just even among leaders, but a lot of people, friends, family that I talk mm-hmm. to, is that they the, what you just described about them jumping ahead of what has mm-hmm. already happened. So they go. And right. then they, you know, it's like I, I, um, I know some people. I've had to say, but that conversation hasn't happened. Like they will talk right. themselves <laughs> out of something before it even right. happens. Like, well, the reason I didn't ask is because mm. that they would say mm-hmm. this, and then I would say this, and and five minutes later, I just have to stop and go, wait, wait. None of what you've talked about has even happened, and you're already exactly. making decisions based on something exactly. that you you are predicting may happen. Um, and so I'm very familiar with that happening. Um, the other okay. thing very is, nice. is mm-hmm. that um, um, I, I agree with you when you just said, you know, that you know you tell people to go forward and try or what have you. The other part is mm-hmm. that a lot of times people don't want to hear the words no. And sometimes that's the worst mm-hmm. thing that can happen is that, and that's what I always mm-hmm. say, like what's the worst that can happen? They can say no. You ask for it, they say no. But you'll never know if you don't ask. Uh, how often do you right. find that, that is people are afraid of, of the answer, like that they're not going to get the answer they want so they don't ask? That's a good question. Um, I find that it's, it's generally that fear, the fear of rejection or fear of being turned down, which then keeps them in an arrested state, if you will, where, I, like my mom would say, you know, what's the most harm that somebody, if somebody says no, what, what kind of harm would that be to you to hear no? Like you hear it and then you just make some other decisions or you do something next. Now, the, the, the intent is, like my mom would say, is don't tell yourself no. You let them tell you no. Because as what you were just saying, some people will tell them themselves no in that conversation that they're having in their head about what it could be, and they take, they, you know, they, they take themselves out of an opportunity, if you will. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, I do the same thing. You know, don't tell yourself no in that context where that. But sometimes, to be honest with you, Brian, sometimes you have to tell yourself no. <laughs> because okay. sometimes okay. there are people, and, and, and this is just kind of, kind of circle it a little bit and bring it Sometimes we do have to tell ourselves, no, not in this context, not where, Mm -hmm. you know, you're talking yourself out of an opportunity, but sometimes what we do is we get ourselves into a habit of um, allowing ourselves to be busy. And it's an acronym I learned back at Hopkins. A good colleague said it. And so the acronym for busy is because you said yes, B-U-S-Y, because Mm -hmm. you said yes. Sometimes we're saying yes to a lot of our thoughts, a lot of our ideas. Sometimes we're in our heads about things, and we're taking on a lot, and sometimes we just have to tell ourselves, no, I'm going to do nothing right now. There's nothing I can do about that. I just need to sit here and be at peace, or I need to give myself a break, give my mind a break, because my mind is racing, and it's saying, I can do this, I can do that, and it's like your mind is very busy. Turn it off. Tell yourself no, that you just need to sit down and actually relax for a moment. Mm-hmm. Well, and, yeah, and yeah. a lot of times mm-hmm. people don't turn their brains off because they don't have the strategy. No. So do you yeah, recommend yeah. that people go and, and seek counseling? Most counselors can help them 
um, with that? Or are there things that they can just read about and learn on their own about how to turn that mechanism off? And that's a good question. So it depends on severity. And, yeah. and I kind of say that very intentionally and very broad because there are some things that through training or kind of working through techniques which are out there, such as I'll talk a little bit about just kind of techniques you can do in the room to kind of get your mind off of thought or kind of to get you to, to do some deep breathing and relax. But then there's some other thoughts that may be pervasive that may be alarming, that may be concerning, that may think some about uh, concerning the topic of kind of like hurt, harm, or danger or something that just kind of makes you uh, really concerned about your welfare or your health definitely you should seek um, telehealth or therapy in some format um, because that could be where you need to talk it out and allow a professional to, to help sort out those kinds of ideas, particularly if it's around uh, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, there's a host of other things that could lead around where it's more deeper and pervasive that you want to get professional help for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. And, and and so yeah. there are uh-huh. there are things that I know you um, just looking at yeah. your 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 experience yeah. and your profile um, you have a number uh-huh. of things that you're doing and you know so many letters after your name I'm so impressed um, with all the, the licenses and and certifications you have I didn't I didn't know that you were also um, <laughs> certified by ICF as well. Um, uh-huh. And and one so that, well, actually there are a couple that I would love to hear about is how mm-hmm. how yoga plays a role in oh. in in this and you know the overthinking and helps people to how you're helping people deal with overthinking through yoga. Oh, I, and I appreciate you asking that. And so just the the whole premise of yoga is really to be in a in a particular state, if you will, where it allows for you to be connected, and I'll use the term psyche, you know, kind of like that entire mind, body, and soul into a particular breathing exercise, into a particular meditation, and also body movement. And so if you are really into your yoga practice or into the yoga pose or movement and your breathing, your mind should be tuning into your breath work. It should be tuning into your movements. And so even in that moment, you really are censoring your thought. And so kind of tying in meditation to kind of combine the two because it is a very meditative state, the intent is really for you to focus and to center in into the moment. And it's the same thing with meditation. Meditation can look like many things. There's not only one way to meditate, as we may see on TV or what we think, but it really is just allowing your time to be focused and to clear your mind or clear thoughts. And so through yoga or meditation, the intent is, you know, kind of bringing in a technique. Sometimes people will say, you know, I have this thought that keeps on coming into my head. And what I will say sometimes is acknowledge that thought. Sometimes what we're doing is we're ignoring it. We're trying to dodge it. We're not trying to think about it. Sometimes it's like, uh-uh, just give that thought, the actual thought, and then mm-hmm. allow for yourself to let it go. Now, it doesn't mean that you, it will always happen. Sometimes you have to acknowledge it, let it go. Acknowledge it, let mm-hmm. it go. And I, and I say that because when you're on the mat, you know, particularly different poses, and this is for anybody. Anybody can do yoga, all right? Sometimes people see these particular videos and think, oh, I can't do that. I can't get into this back bend. But I, I say that because 
for a particular yoga pose, let's say tree pose, is where you know one of your legs is flat on the mat and then the other one is kind of you're bringing your foot and putting it parallel onto your thigh. And so when people think about these poses, they're thinking like, I have to be in this pose. I can't get out of it. I need to be concentrated. My thing is, it's the grace that also is a part of balance. You may Mm -hmm. put your foot down, just put your foot back up. And it's the same concept with our thoughts. It's like, okay, the thought came back. Give yourself grace to then Uh, say, you know uh, what? Let it go. And so uh, what happens is people get frustrated and they're getting so connected to it. And it's like, man, I should be able to get this out of my head. Why do it keep coming back? The reality is that that's just the way our brain works. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, give yourself grace, let it go. And just like if you had put your foot down on the mat, put your foot back up, do your best. That's mm-hmm. knowledge. And if it goes back down, you pick it back up. Mm, wow, that's powerful. And I, I think what's important that I'm hearing you say is that, you know, that we – we we often will fixate on when there was a mistake. We fixate mm-hmm. on, like in this case, mm-hmm. you're talking about in yoga, oh, I didn't maintain my balance, and so I put my foot down, right. like, right, but pause, and then put your foot right. back up. Um, you know, it's the same thing, um, you know, when you're, regardless of what you're doing, um, if you mm-hmm. if you allow yourself, and I, and I, I've heard so many people recently talking about forgive yourself and then Mm -hmm. move forward, Um, that it didn't Mm -hmm. work out the way you wanted it to. You made a mistake. It's okay. Right. And then move forward. Right. Uh, Now, I know that there are are a lot of people, probably fewer now than in the past, that were very skeptical about yoga as an example, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that it was mm-hmm. some kind of strange practice and oh, it was often seen as something for the eccentric people to, to mm-hmm. do. Right. And they, you know, kind of the out there kind of people, but, mm-hmm. but it has certainly made its way into mainstream and in our education system, there are people who are doing right. that because right. I think what's important for people to know and hear is that it is about, in a lot of ways, training your mind and body to be in sync. And that just makes sense for everything you're talking about with overthinking, is that those Mm -hmm. aspects of of training your brain um, apply in, in this overthinking context as well. Exactly. And, you know, just a couple of other things as we're talking about training the brain, you know, another technique that could be very helpful for you is if you feel like you need to get out of your head. It's something we call like counting colors. So if you're in a room, and hopefully the room has enough colors for you to do this, look at the different colors in the room, count them, notice what's in the room. Whatever mm-hmm. get allows you to get out of your head, it's different mm-hmm. techniques where, mm-hmm. one, we have to give our brain enough time to let go of the idea or the thought. So if that's one thing that you can do is doing that. Another thing is sometimes we need to write it down, write it out, get it out, you know, get it out of your head. You say, you know what, I'm going to put it on this piece of paper or I'm going to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk it out. And once I do that, I'm talking it out. And for others, that could be spiritually. That could be through prayer. That could Mm. be through meditation. That could be, you know, giving it to the universe. But there's so many ways of kind of taking it outside of our mind and our body and putting it into another space where we don't have to hold that as a container. Oh, absolutely. And, and something you just said really resonated with me about um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, b- bringing yourself to the present. When I, because when you said that, I looked around the room and I started thinking. So I'm looking around my room and looking at colors, and I said, you know, what what it really forces you to do is to come right into the present moment, get out of right, your head. Exactly. And stop thinking about you know whatever it is, but stop stop making mm-hmm. it the the top priority and and bring yourself to the here and now. So I think that that's another really important aspect of it um, that we you know we have so many people who think that they if they do something wrong um, or do it the wrong mm-hmm. way, they're going to be punished. And, and a lot of it is from, mm-hmm. you know, earlier experiences in life. Um, and so mm-hmm. what I wanted to ask is, um, uh-huh. you know, do you find that um, a lot of the people that are overthinking tend to have uh, perfectionist tendencies? Like, do, do you see a lot of that where it's like, I want to get it right. And so they just think and think mm-hmm. and think it and can't shut it off. So to answer that, and hopefully this makes sense, for those that do have perfectionist tendency, yes, that is the case. And so mm-hmm. there are, if we would look at it on the spectrum, those that don't want to make mistakes, those that were punished or, you know, there's a lot of fear for making mistakes, and then yep. those that wanted to be a perfectionist and show that. And then there's some that go all the way on the other spectrum where it's more OCD. And that's why mm-hmm. I was saying if you, you would may need some more professional help with that just to work through it. But ultimately, yes, there are so many things that condition us and that keep us in a particular cycle. The first thing that you want to do is maybe ask yourself, where is this coming from? What continues this pattern for me? And also, what does this impede on my life? Does it stop me from being happy? Does it stop me from making the decisions that I want to because I'm stuck? But those are some questions you can ask yourself. But then also, as you said, mindfulness, grounding yourself in the room, and giving yourself grace and forgiveness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, the brain is such an amazing organ, um, and mm-hmm. I just learn so much all the time, but um, that much of what the brain is doing is a result of conditioning, right? And, yeah. and uh-huh. that we, that we, we learn um, how to how to change things a lot of ways. I mean, through with help or in some cases we can do it ourselves, but, but through mm-hmm. understanding how the brain functions. Um, and so exactly. I thank you. Thank you for, for helping with that. Now I know, do you see, you know, we get out of time so quickly. Um, there, I, I do <laughs> want to also, because that you were, I, I heard you pronounce it differently than I did. So is it Reiki or Reiki? Reiki? Reiki. Reiki, okay. That you are a Reiki Uh master. So tell me about that. Now, I've heard a little bit about it, about energy, (laughs) but I've got to admit, I'm I'm, I'm a novice at that, so I don't know much about it at all. So (laughs) please tell me. Tell me what this is about. Oh, good question. And so just really quick, like the intention of Reiki is that we all have energy. We're all made out of energy, and that's scientifically backed, that, you know, energy runs through us our neurons, all that firing that happens, it is energy, and you can actually see that. Now, with Reiki, the intention is to really work the body to heal itself with using energy and helping to move that energy and center and focus that energy. Because I have the ability to have energy, and you do too, it really is just using our energies in a positive way to heal ourselves. 
And so in, in many ways, as a Reiki master, the intention behind that teaching is to be able to learn on how to properly do the techniques to help somebody heal and using their own body to heal. So there's no kind of magic behind it. There's no real magic force per se. We all have the ability to think about positive thinking or positive energy or supporting that. Um, and so that's the, the real intention behind it. However, there, was, there would be considered a Reiki practitioner, and then the person would be coming in to get that Reiki practitioner to work and do uh, energetic healing with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, does, is this in any way similar to the kind of um, practices that include acupuncture? Um, I mean, not mm-hmm. is it the same principle? I know not necessarily that Reiki practitioners do acupuncture, but I'm just wondering, if, is it the same premise about energy? It is the same premise. It comes out of the same, out of Eastern culture, where a lot of mm-hmm. that was looking at the body, energetic fields, looking at how the body can heal itself, and, and practitioners supporting that process. So it, it's very similar in that whole kind of identity of mindfulness, meditation, mm-hmm. energetic fields, acupuncture. Sure. So, yes, very close to that. I'll, as, as, you, as you know, acupuncture, the needles are there with this. There's no needles, but it's still right. the same premise on allowing the body to heal through that process. Sure, sure. Well, I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I, so I read, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hoarder of information, so to speak. I, <laughs> I, collect, I collect information for the purpose of, you know, sharing it later with someone else. But um, quick story mm-hmm. I want to share with you is that, you know, and probably not unlike a lot of people when it came to and when it comes to things like acupuncture or whatever, I, you know, was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't get it. How in the world does sticking a needle in your arm or your forehead, <laughs> how is that going to cure something? I mean, likewise right, with, right. you know, things like um, the, the, the pressure mm-hmm. um, that they put on your foot and things, you know, that I, mm. I, I saw somewhere where like when they do, um, foot massages, they can focus on the mm-hmm. liver, focus on the kidney through your foot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is that about? Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, back to mm-hmm. acupuncture, um, uh, probably 10 years or so ago, I um, was um, at a conference and some colleagues were going to go to get acupuncture. I'd never had it done before. They were like, um, Do you, are you interested? And I said, eh, I don't believe in that stuff. They were like, what is it there to believe in? Why don't you try it? See what happens. So I go, and um, it was really funny. You know, it it felt like I was getting a medical exam before they did it. And they asked a lot Mm. of questions, looked in my ears, looked in my eyes, down my throat, you know, all kinds of things. Like, what is this? So, um, so, so they, whatever it was, they said, we're going to start out this particular treatment. We're going to do, I think she said, eight needles. I think that's what she said, maybe eight or two. So um, she started putting them in my body and was like, is that okay? Things comfortable? Yes. So she got to my shin and put mm-hmm. in a, a needle in my shin. I had my eyes closed uh-huh. doing the whole thing. And I jumped almost off the table because mm. I thought there was something that happened that it felt like blood was gushing out of my leg. So when she put it in, mm. it literally mm-hmm. felt like just this release of pressure and blood oh, coming out of okay. my leg. And I jumped up and looked, okay. and there was nothing there. 
And okay. she said, are you okay? What's wrong? I said, I, <laughs> it feels like blood is coming out of my leg, but I don't see anything. Uh-huh. And so she kind of laughed. And I just kept looking. I laid back down, and I had to look again because I couldn't believe that mm. sensation. And so she said, mm-hmm. one of your channels was probably blocked. And when I put that in, the energy is now passing through that that place. And I just it's so the the short of it is that it made a believer out of me and I never ever thought that I would be someone to be like, It's real folks. Energy is in your body <laughs> you know <laughs> And it was just well, that personal experience that it really blew me away. I you I would have bet all the money that I was about to have look down my leg and it was just going to be blood everywhere, but there was nothing there. And she described it as just energy was coming out of my leg and it just blew me away. Well, you know what, just really quickly. And also for those that may also be listening that want to try to see or feel what that energy is like. And so in Reiki, we quickly would say, if you put your two hands together, well, kind Mm -hmm. of facing each other uh, Mm -hmm. parallel and you don't put them all the way together, but maybe about an inch between them, and you start rubbing them. Now, you're not putting your hands together, but you're kind of making a circular motion. An inch between it, you may start to feel a little bit of a tug or kind of like an energetic feel. And if you try to pull them away, you may feel a little bit of a tug or energetic feel. Mm-hmm. So if you rub your palms inch between each other, you may feel this kind of energetic feel or pull or tug. That really is, when we talk about the energy, that's energy. So for those that are trying to figure out how does it feel at home, if you parallel palms towards each other about an inch between, slightly listen, not listen, I'm sorry, feel for that, that, that movement between your palms, you might mm-hmm. feel that energetic feel. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a believer in that. But look, Tony, I know we're out of time, but I really mm-hmm. appreciate you coming on and and sharing your information with us. And uh, is there a place where, you know, people can uh, follow you, reach you, please uh, let them know. I've seen, I've seen several of the things you've written and just been uh, really enlightened by them. Please share with the, with the audience. Yeah, sure. Sure. I was going to say Instagram, Rufus Span, actually almost everything is Rufus Span. So R-U-F-U-S. S-P-A-N-N. If you, even if you Google that, you'll pull me up. But my Instagram is, is Rufus Span. Uh, my LinkedIn is Rufus Span. Um, and those are the best places probably to reach out or, or look me up. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you want to reach out by email, it's RufusSpan at gmail.com. Yeah. And I'm always yeah. open to working with people. So awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I'm well, Thank you so much. I really appreciate you, this conversation and you contributing to the platform. Learned a lot from you sure. today. Just wishing you continued Very welcome. success. And uh, we'll be listening appreciate and it. reading and uh, wishing you the best uh, in the future. Uh, uh, Thank you. Go well. Uh, stay well. Thank you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.